Hey everybody, welcome back to D3 Glory Days. I'm Noah, that's Stu. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We're glad you're here. My job here is to tell you how to support this podcast if you are so inclined. The links to everything are down in the show notes wherever you're listening, but we've got a Venmo on there if you want to send us an internet tip. We have a Patreon if you want to become a monthly supporter of this podcast and help grow the reach of our Division Three coverage. Or if you just want to share it with a friend, leave a rating or review wherever you're listening. That really helps us out as well. Just gets the word out. So do those things. They're good things. They help the podcast grow. If you don't want to do them, I guess that's fine too. Anyway, Stu, who do we have on the episode today? Yeah, before I introduce this guest, I'm going to echo what Noah said. Leave us a review if you can. We know it's super easy. You're on your phone right now. If you're on Apple, scroll to the bottom, hit that five star, say something nice, or just say something witty and we'll read it on air next episode. If you're on Spotify, it's literally at the top of the screen. Hit that five star. It helps us find more D3 athletes or just runners in general or just people in general. We like people here at D3 Glory Days. And we want more people to listen to this wonderful podcast. D3 Glory Days, it's for the people. And today's person that we have on is Christian Patska from UW-Whitewater. You probably remember him from that very exciting indoor 5K race where he ran 1347, taking the championship record. He also had the 5K national record for about eight hours this season. It was great to speak with him about his training and how like, how much confidence he has in what he's doing and not getting caught up in what everyone else is doing. In high school, he was a 430, 940 type guy and has just slowly progressed throughout his years and the confidence has gone with that progression. He's looking to run a quick steeplechase time this year after we talk about his close runner-up performance against Christopher Collette last year at the outdoor meet. We also dive into a little bit of the culture at UW-Whitewater and what to look forward next from Christian Patska. Christian's definitely an exciting athlete with a bright future. He's got two full years after this season, so it'll be exciting to follow his story and see what's to come. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you're having a good day. Sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation. I'll check in with you briefly on the other side. Until then, here's to the glory days. All right, welcome back to D3 Glory Days. Today, we're joined by the indoor 5K champ, the D3 5K record holder for roughly eight hours, Christian Pasca. Welcome to D3 Glory Days. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, we're excited to talk more about you know your background and learn you know how you came to be the runner you are. But let's start in the present day before we jump into that 5K action and where you won a really exciting race, but you just broke 15, excuse me, you broke 14 outdoors. So you crushed the 15 minute barrier this past weekend. You led some other guys under, let's talk about how you guys set that race up. I mean, it was a pretty historic race in terms of three guys dipped under and, and you got the uh, better of them. So take us through just that 5k and how it came to be. Uh, well, last year we had UW Platteville, uh, they hosted, um, it's their normal invite, but we always just get all the best talent in like the Midwest normally for the 5k. So 
you know, there's even guys from like South Dakota state that come sometimes or um, unattached runners come a lot. So I think this year there was about like 166 people entered in the 5k. It was pretty big. It was basically like the meet is almost like the 5k is almost centered to be one of the, like the main events. Cause they have like three hours of the 5k under the lights at night. So it's like its own little distance carnival, but see so yeah, all the coaches just kind of pool their runners together to see how they're going to get the best talent there. So yeah, it was a very, very fun time. I think it's kind of fun to see this happen in a race. That's mostly division three athletes. I know we're, we're getting used to seeing D three athletes go to meets like Stanford or, you know, big D one meets and kind of finishing mid pack, but putting up big numbers, but this was kind of fun that it was, you know, mostly a division three field. Um, how did that feel to be in it? Yeah. I mean, it's always fun just to get like all the best talent in the Midwest together and just have them all run. Like it's a, it's a very, uh, sort of old fashioned traditional way of having these meets instead of just like flying out different places. So I think it's really cool. And it's more like, I, I would say that it's more of like a showcase of what like the Midwest and what D3 has to offer. You know, when setting this up, are you guys chatting pacing? It sounds like you did have a pacer there, but was, you know, Alex just broke the 5k record. Was the 5k record a goal for you? Or is this mainly kind of see, you know, get under 14 and go from there? Yeah. I mean, I was talking to Mills about it, my coach, and he was more saying how, um, you know, whatever happens, happens with the race. Obviously, the goal is just, like, if need be, just get a mark for nationals, but also just see, you know, how I can push myself through that. And um, still very happy with the time because that's still outdoor PR wise. Um, I set the school record last year of 1415 at that same meet. And uh, then you got 13.55 this year. So definitely a lot, a lot more fun to do that. So, yeah, it's always good to be back there. Looks like you fin- you had a teammate who finished fourth, uh, Gunnar Schlinder, and he ran like 14 flat. And I just took a quick glance through his results, and that looks like a pretty big personal best for him, but like kind of on the wrong side of the 14-minute barrier. Was he Was he like disappointed at all? Not, not at all. It was, it's a great run. Yeah. Yeah. For him, he said it was, it was a little bit bittersweet just being so close to that 14 minute mark. Like we were joking that like you were the the last person to not break 14. Like you're just like that close to it, but he always, he always likes to be pushed that way. And um, I was extremely proud of him with that huge PR that showed a lot of improvement, especially from indoor last year and this year and how he's running now is just in, like incredible. It's a fun kind of comparison of, you and Gunner and Ethan and Isaac from lacrosse, kind of the similar of like your supporting cast. I'm sure he's maybe running a little bit harder on workouts to like keep up with you, but to see him get that result has to like feel good for the both of you. What's it been like training, you know, with him? I know when we talked originally, you had Fassbender kind of, you know, being your all's mentor. I'm sure now you're kind of being his mentor and kind of bringing him along. What's that, you know, just training with Gunner been like? It's been one of like the greatest training experiences ever just the way that we push each other and even in practice like along with Justin who's uh one of our mid-distance athletes was uh all-american this this past indoor season in the mile and um just the way that Gunnar and I are able to push each other because um we raced each other once in high school and we did not know each other really except that one race and now you know three years later we're training with each other every day and it's like pushing each other um so it's, it's always like a great experience to have. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to train with nearly like anybody else. Um, just how close we are as friends and as teammates and just the way we're able to push each other 
it's just like so much fun. It's incredible. We're seeing a lot of guys running fast really early in the season. Also, there was no real break between outdoor nationals and the beginning of the outdoor season. It seems like a lot of guys just kind of kept rolling. Personally, are you feeling, you know, any sense of urgency to put up fast times early in the year? Does it feel like any different than it used to in terms of how stressful, you know, May and April are compared or sorry, March and April are compared to previous years? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really feel a sense of urgency for for me. It was more just, you know, get a fast 5K time in uh, PR and and just see where that takes me. Because uh, like coming off of indoor, I think I took one day off from uh, after that just to rest, basically. And then it was just back to normal. So um, there wasn't really a plan of like, all right, take some time off and then we'll we'll shoot later in the season to have something, which used to be our plan for the past couple of years is to wait um, later in the season. But we're thinking, you know, everybody's fit right now. We might as well just knock this out of the way so that we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, before we continue on with this outdoor season and your trajectory, let's take a step back and go back to indoors. You know, winning that 5K in one of the greatest and deepest 5K fields D3 has put up, not only at the national meet, but probably in general, breaking the old record. Uh, a couple of you guys did plus breaking the championship record. Take us through just, you know, your mindset. We heard from Ethan, it was gas, gas, gas. And sure enough, you know, he really pushed that pace and kind of similar to what you guys did at Whitewater, you know, you're right behind him. But from your perspective, was that the game plan going in? Yeah. Yeah. Going in, that was the game plan. Cause I was personally, I was going to be fine with um, being up front more because I knew I was fit enough to stay with anyone in that field. And, um, as we were racing it, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't really going to take it. I wasn't trying to show any cards yet. And I didn't want to leave it down to like a last 400 or 800 or something like that. So, and I still remember making, you know, starting to make my move and I didn't fully commit to it at first. I remember I went out into lane two a little bit and then I moved back. And then that's when Philip took over a little bit. And then with a K to go, I just like committed to probably the hardest move I've ever made. And yeah. And, uh, through that, you know, was able to secure the title, but, um, yeah, I didn't really have a plan to take over any earlier than that really, just because the pace was fine, you know, with, with a guy like Greg and even, and even Philip in that race, you know, that it's, you know, all, we're fit enough to go at any pace really that, um, that we can see through that 5k. You feel like winning that 5k changed your identity as a runner? Yeah, I I would say so a little bit just because, um, you know, in a sort of dramatic fashion, how I got uh, out kicked by Colette last year in the steeplechase. And then um, that was probably one of the biggest motivating factors um, after that race and after that loss and what like made me um, and the more who I am now. And then going into cross country, getting second again, because like, my, originally my goal was top 10, top five, and I knew I could stick with that pack and, um, you know, just see how close I could get to winning it. And I just remember going into indoor season, like the ultimate goal was to break 14 and I was doing all my workouts, like sub 14 pace and just getting ready for that. And, um, I knew like that I had this mentality of where I was thinking, like, I have to win this race. Like this, this I want nothing more than to win this 5k right now. Like nothing is going to get in my way of like finally winning a title. 
you know, after that getting out kicked in the steeplechase, you said that, you know, obviously changed you. What, what did you do differently with training or did like, was it a mental switch? Like what were, you know, some of those changes that you made? Yeah. I mean, right after that race, um, you know, obviously I congratulated Colette and everyone, you know, it was a great race. Um, and then I remember racing the 5k afterwards and I, I, I remember just thinking in that race, I'm like, did I just that whole 5k just like chilling and like waiting to make a little bit of a move and at least de- um, place decently. And I was thinking, I'm like, I can't believe I just let that happen. And I remember I drove back with my parents and I just remember like that night, I, I could not sleep for the life of me. I just couldn't get over of how I like let myself do that. And I remember I was doing like a, I couldn't sleep. So I did like a 3am run around the hotel parking lot at like, and it, yeah, that was, that, that made me think a lot of what things I need to change going forward. And it's like, no matter like how hard I try, even, even if I get beat, I'm going to do like everything I possibly can. So it, I would say it was more of like a mentality switch in me just to be like, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power and everything like I can try to train with and just push myself. Like no matter what happens, I can never say that I didn't give it my all. What pace were you going around the hotel parking lot? <sighs> I have to look at Strava, but I, I'm pretty sure like third mile. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was like five teens ish. And it so was, you were, it was just, it was a pure angst run. I was just so mad at myself, but that, that's what I, I'm imagining. You'll have to send us the link to the, to the Strava. I wish we had video of it. That would make a great yeah. like tra- training montage. Yeah. No, I saw my parents like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I just gotta go run. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. no, they're always great supporters of me. So they knew I needed to get that out of my system. Did you feel better afterwards? Yeah, I felt more tired, so I was able to sleep. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was good to get that out. I don't want to dwell on the outkicked because you've obviously had success, and that's what we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm always curious. Like, you just feel for the guy or woman who just outkicked at the end because it's like, damn, like you're so close. Mm-hmm. Like in that immediate moment, like, do you remember? I, you kind of mentioned like you think about it into the five k, but like, what were those feelings of like, damn it, like? It's just like, you're just swearing. Like, what are you feeling like in that? Like, if you can take yourself back to probably the, your worst memory of running right now, maybe, but like, what yeah. were you feeling? Yeah. I mean, with it being such a, I would say like definitive moment so far in my career of, of losing that title, I just remember like getting over that final barrier. And I was like, we were kicking as hard as we can. Like, I think he closed in 61. I was closing like 62. Like that was the hardest I've ever closed over barriers. And I just remember like, I, I knew as soon as we crossed the finish line, I'm like, he has this. Like, there's, I, I did not win this. And I just remember, like, crossing the finish line, like, hands on my head. And then I just got to the ground. I was like, I was just so mad. Like, there was no one else to blame besides me. Like, I just couldn't believe that I let it down to a kick. And I, with, with a guy like Colette, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to lose in a kick. So, he's just got wheels. But, um, no, like, since then, you know, we've been good friends. So, he's a great guy. But just through that, like, it was more of, like, I'd take a look at myself and be like, yeah, that happened, but what am I going to do to move past this? And uh, like, not let that, that one failure define me. Like, what am I going to do to, you know, in my running and what can I change to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Do you think losing that day, you know, played a role in you eventually winning the indoor 5k? Do you think if that, if that steeplechase would have gone differently that, you know, if you would have won that day, do you think you would have felt that same urgency in the indoor 5k? Um, I feel like it, it would have been a little different. I definitely would have felt more confident and I was 
through that, I was feeling like I had this chip on my shoulder of like, okay, like it's right there. I know I can get it. I know I can get a title. And um, I just remember thinking of what I need to do um, moving forward, like mentally and physically and just looking and seeing, you know, in a championship setting, like how much am I willing to like put myself through the ringer and just like push myself. But yeah, with a moment like that, it was definitely one where it was like, I feel like everybody in their, their running journey or racing and everything like that, they need an experience like that, that kind of knocks them down. Like, you know, not everything's like, you're not going to win everything. Like you need this to push yourself. So it was good to not feel complacent. Cause I feel like that might've, that might happen with some people is where, you know, win and all that. And then you're just seen as that. And as soon as someone challenges you, you know, it's a little bit of a different story. Takes to like the nitty gritty training details of that summer. Like was this summer the best summer you ever had, or is it more, you know, kind of back to the basics, just be consistent, not overdo it. Yeah. It was more just being consistent and continue to trust in the training Mills was giving me um, because everything's worked out with his training um, thus far. And it wasn't like, I'm just going to hammer on miles. I'm going to hammer every workout so that I don't feel like the way I did in that moment. It was just like taking a step back and looking, okay, here's where I went wrong. Here's what I need to work on with like, you know, supplementing in more lifting. Um, I lifted, but I didn't lift as much as I probably should have. Um, and just getting that strength. Cause I knew I had the endurance. I just needed to have more strength with it. And even just like finishing. Cause like, there's multiple like races I can remember from like last year where my finishing form just like fell apart. So it was just like staying consistent and keeping my body like strong would be like the major thing. What do you like about summer training and what's difficult for you to get through? Yeah. I mainly what I like about it is just having like no, no sense of real urgency, just getting in the miles. So I just like being back home doing my normal routes that I would do in high school and stuff like that. So it's uh it's pretty comfortable. And then, um, you know, as it gets more into August, starting to get into the the opening meets like that we have at home and stuff like that. Um, that's where I start to get more serious about it. But it's definitely just like it's purely focused on training and nothing else. So it's a very it's a very like clear and honest form of like getting better at the sport is just taking a step back and looking like, OK, what can I do now uh, and over the next three months that will help me, you know, for the next year? So you mentioned national champion, the 5k, you ran 1347 high school, 5k, excuse me, high school, two miler, 943, 431. I think everyone runs a 431 mile in high school as the old book. Once a runner says, mm -hmm. but that's a big jump. You know, you go from a yeah. 430 guy to a 1340 5k. What do you attribute? I mean, it's, you know, these are a massive question, but like, you know, people are going to look at that and be like, wow, how do you do it? You know, are there certain areas you can look at like, you know, I did it this way or just stacking consistent weeks together is what you attribute to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, it's all consistently, sorry, consistency. So as long as you just, you know, stay consistent with mileage and you stay honest in your training and um, you know, everything that comes with that, with like strength training and core and even recovery, you know, things like that, I would say like, that's the biggest attributing factor. Um, even just like getting more accustomed to like in high school, um, my coach maxed me out at 45 miles a week. And I was like the only athlete she ever had to do that. And, um, you know, even just like 
because I was a senior when COVID happened. So it was just more just like solid block of training and just focusing that and not focusing on racing. So it was just a lot of like consistent and honest tra- uh, training. Have you experienced any significant injuries so far in your career? Not so far in my career. No, I mean, going into uh conference, I remember, Oh no. Yeah. We had a meet at lacrosse that we were getting ready for um, during cross country season. And it was like a quad overuse um, issue I was having. So I was, I was basically out for four weeks during um, last cross country season. And um, so I was just cross train, aqua jog, like use our uh, elliptical stuff like that. And then getting ready for conference. Um, that was my first meet back. And um, I don't know if anyone remembers the results, but I got absolutely like rolled by Greg by 30 seconds. And I'm um, like, yeah, that was not very fun, but you know, it's good to be back into it and kind of gives me that edge to, uh, you know, just keep trusting in my training. Like, yeah, that did not feel good to get, you know, beat that bad at conference, but um, you know, I'm just going to trust in the training I have. And then sure enough, regionals happens and nationals. So again, that just goes back to like the consistency of training and even just cross training and take, taking a step back and uh, looking like, you know, I don't need to, if I have an overuse issue, you know, maybe take a step back, don't run as much. Um, just trust on the training that I had for that summer. As you, you know, make these jumps in fitness and in PRs, I think a big component that goes with it is the mental side of things and, you know, being able to not view yourself too much or view yourself too highly, you know, how are you able to handle these jumps from a mental standpoint? And yeah, I think you kind of alluded to it, you know, changing the viewpoint of yourself as a runner, but you know, each segment, I feel like you got to kind of change, tweak some mental component, you know, how are you able to handle that? Yeah. I mean, when it all comes to it, I'm definitely my own worst critic. And like, I will pick apart in my head, like every point of a race, even if it's a great race, like everything I did wrong. But um, I think the biggest thing that helps as a runner is having like a very strong support group, Um, whether it be like my close teammates, like, you know, there's six of us that all live in the house here. So you can always have someone to rely on. And like after races and stuff, I'm always able to like text my parents or see my parents there. And they're like the biggest supporters and helping me with like uh, how I view certain races and things like that. So I just feel like having a support group is like the biggest thing that can help as a runner. Cause I feel like with runners, it's always like, you know, uh, here's what I did wrong and in my training and that. And then, you know, you have someone from an outward perspective telling you and like pushing you um, into a different direction, like mentally. So I feel like that's always super important as well. You think having that national championship under your belt is going to add, you know, to some like self-imposed pressure that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Definitely like going into the Plyville 5k, you know, it's my first outdoor 5k. I haven't done a hard 5k effort in over a month since nationals and going into this race and thinking, you know, like in my head, of course, just thinking mentally, like, you know, I was an indoor 5k champion. Like I can't lose this race. Like that's just a mental factor keeping me on. Cause it's like, you know, if I lose a, you know, a race like that, you know, I'll just be, ah, you know, just like one hit wonder type deal. So um, that's always like keeping me, uh, pushing again, um, keep going on, um, through my racing. So that's always super important is to never get complacent and be like, well, yeah, I want a title then, but then I haven't done anything afterwards. So it's just, uh, keep me humble, keeping me honest in my training and in the pursuit of like always getting better. 
we chatted a little bit via DM about steeplechase and you already sounds like you're kind of eyeing some times there, you know, yeah. when are you planning to make in that debut? Uh, I actually plan on running it at uh Phil Eston meet at UW lacrosse this Saturday. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Cause now that the, it's great having the 5k, I love that event, but now that I have that qualified and everything, now it's time to take a step back from that and pursue steeple uh, more seriously for the rest of outdoor. So very excited about that. Do you think last year's double kind of helps you prepare for that steeple yeah. 5k double? Yeah, definitely. Cause it's, it is not a very easy double. Like I know 10 K five K doubles gotta be, gotta be like really hard, but running a, a steeple chase all out. And then two hours later running the five K not very fun, but um, it's definitely a good challenge. And that's what I like about it. Is the steeple chase, the event that's a little closer to your heart or do you really have a preference? Uh, that's kind of tough. I mean, I probably have to say steeple chase outdoor is my main focus. Um, I love the 5k outdoor, but there's just something about steeple and an extra challenge with it. Like it's not all running. So it's more like technique and form. And that's what I like about it the most. If outdoors, you win the steeple, but finish 10th and the 5k, could you walk away from that weekend still being happy with it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just going into my first 5k steeple double last year, even getting, you know, looking at it now a year later and thinking like second and 12th, like, yeah, I'm happy with that. You know, just looking at it. Cause sure. I got fourth indoor last year and then going 12th outdoor. Well, that's a lot different, you know, than just looking at it on paper. So yeah, I'd, I'd still be happy. Have you rewatched any of your national championship races and kind of picked apart where you can improve on or find areas to get better at? And what'd yeah. you think? Of, what'd you think of the commentary? <laughs> I like the commentary. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are pretty funny. But um, yeah, no, I definitely like to to watch some of the the stuff behind um, in my races and recalling back to what I thought in that moment, just to um, help prepare myself further. So whether it be like the steeplechase prelims, even um, or the final, and just thinking like, okay, that works. I'm going to keep that, or what can I change here? So I feel like that's always important. Take a step back and look at what you can improve on. Yeah, that's just, I forgot about the prelims for whatever reason, but that has to be a crazy freaking weekend for your legs. Like, are you just dead by the time the 5K is over? Yeah, I was, I was pretty gassed, but like the prelims, honestly, like for me, it wasn't that bad. Just kind of go out front and, you know, I, I had a pretty good idea that I would be able to win my heat and be very comfortable in that. And then going into the final, you know, I knew the competition going into it, whether like, and I knew, you know, PRs and stuff outside of steeplechase, like with 1500 or 5k, um, stuff like that. So that's always, um, something I look at too, for stats. Are you keeping an eye on, you know, the rest of the country right now and what guys are doing, or are you just kind of wait until you debut? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm still, you know, hearing about times and stuff like steeples or different things people are running. And then, um, you know, I'll talk about it with mills and, you know, he'll be like, yeah, I know you can do that. So. Yeah, and that's a great thing about having Mills too as a coach, because uh, with Whitewater's history of steeplechase, of you know having Dawson Miller, who uh, was a national champion and um, multiple-time All-American in the steeple, and also Brett Harm. So that's always nice having that uh, experience uh, through uh, Coach Mills. Kind of along the lines of like following you know other people's times. I think your generation of runners is in kind of a unique 
spot because you have so much access to like what your competitors are doing. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can, you probably follow a lot of them on Strava. You can see them on Instagram or whatever, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? Because it's probably easy for somebody to become like obsessive with what everybody else is doing. So how do you kind of like pay attention, but also stay in your own lane? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I still like to pay attention to what other people are doing. Cause I feel like that's an important aspect of the, the racing part of track and cross country. But um, I feel like it's also important to look at it and say, you know, that that works for them. That might not work for me uh, as a runner. Cause typically I'm generally very uh, much so like less mileage than a lot of other people. And I know I have more natural speed. So, you know, when I see someone doing like a, a very long workout or something like that, I'm like, yeah, that probably works for them. But, you know, I trust my training so far for the past three years, it hasn't failed me. So um, yeah, but it's also really cool seeing like what other workouts people do. So what's your mileage at? I would say typically around like the 60 ish, I would say I hit 170 mile week, which was my first one uh, in like February. So even just going into last summer, um, going into this past cross country season, I'd do like 55, 65, somewhere in there. So typically a little mileage. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing like half what some of the other guys are doing, you know, like Alex Phillip and stuff like guys we've talked to, you've probably, maybe you've listened to their episodes, you know, what is like your gut reaction when you hear one of your competitors say they're doing 110 miles a week and you're looking at your training log and only seeing half of that. Is it hard to stay confident? Uh, I wouldn't say not particularly because I know a lot of the workouts that we do are more um, focused on like intentionality and um, they have a certain purpose and we're not just doing, you know, mileage just to run mileage Um, because like I don't double or anything, you know, everything's like one run a day or one workout a day. So um, and just, you know, trusting in the training that I've been doing and that other people have been doing because that's the thing with Mills is he has, you know, 42 years of, of workouts and things that he can look back on. So he has everything down to uh, what works for some people and what, what doesn't for others. So um, it's always good to have that history with it. It's refreshing to hear that. Cause I think it's, you know, having the confidence you're in training, I think is like super important and not getting caught up in like what other people are doing, but it also shows that there isn't a perfect science to training and a one size fits all type. Cause you know, we've had many people on men and women, you know, compare times very similar, but the training style is completely different. And, you know, I think it, this isn't really a question, but it's more like a echo chamber of like, keep doing what you're doing out there. People like keep doing your training, like trusting it. Cause you know, not, you know, Christian running hundred miles a week might break you, but running 60 miles a week is your peak right now. And like, what's good for you. So I don't know. It's, it's refreshing to hear that. Like there's people who are confident in their training and not getting caught up in, in the Strava world. Yeah. Coach Stu, coach Stu is coming out to lecture everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. Well, yeah. I mean, especially in the world of Strava and everything like that, people definitely get carried away with, you know, like, oh, I, you know, if I just run two more miles today or something like that, because um, sometimes I got to draw myself back and be like, I feel good today. Like, I'm just going to keep it at what the certain amount of time has on the workout sheet and just leave it at that and save it for another day. So just getting carried away with it. Let's hear some Coach Mills stories. You know, I've had, it was fun. I got to speak with him right after or soon after your 5k and he was just super fired up for you. And you, know, you can hear the passion that he has for you all, but you know, you mentioned 42 years, he's coached national champions. What's one of your you know favorite mill stories? 
Oh man. In the past three years, there's been so many good ones, but um, I, I would say like every national meet is always really fun. And if I had to pick a moment from racing, um, there's always a point where he stands on the track to where I can always see him. He, he can always communicate. And um, during the 5k this past indoor season, he, there was a point where I knew he was going to be like, I couldn't hear him, but I could, I could sense from, uh, you know, his demeanor and uh, everything that he was doing or saying, like I knew how I was doing in the race. And uh, it was funny listening to the commentary of after the 5k where you're like, Oh, he could break the record right now. Because uh, I remember when I started dropping like thirties during the end of the 5k and I remember Mills was looking at me and he's like, slow down, like save it for tomorrow. And um, I'm just like, yep. Like, yeah, you got it coach. And then afterwards when I heard the commentary, I'm like, Oh, you know, I probably could have gone for the record, but it's just like one of those things. Um, you know, that, that Mills always says was just like, save yourself for tomorrow. And um, yeah, man, there's been so many other great stories just at national meets. Like he's, he, he's really a people person as a coach. Like he, he cares more about how you're doing as a person than as an athlete. Obviously he still cares about the athlete part. So that's really important. Like the way that he goes out of his way for his athletes is is super important. And I feel like it's something that other people don't really notice about coaches so when you have a coach you know with that level of experience it, it also creates you know a very rich tradition in programs can you kind of talk about the the influence of of tradition on your cross-country and track team yeah uh, I mean going into whitewater um, uh, and even just looking at colleges senior year I knew I wanted to stay in Wisconsin because uh, I'm a Wisconsin native and I just want to st stay in state and just looking at because where I want to go for college, I knew that, you know, probably going to be UW school. So I just want to look primarily at if it's for running, because um, all they generally have like the same classes and stuff like that. So I knew I wanted to look for a coach that was like the best fit personally for me. Um, and there's other obviously great coaches in the WEAC and all of Wisconsin, but I decided to look what worked for, for me also. And just looking at uh, the history that Mills had, um, and that he had with individuals because whitewater wasn't always known as like a top distance program until like relatively recently, like there was always really good individuals, but then you'd look and, you know, like when I remember when Gunnar and I committed to the program, whitewater at the time was like finishing fifth in the conference for cross country and like 12th in the regional, which at the time that was still very good for whitewater. And just to see how um, Mills training, when you take uh, other athletes, how they kind of supplement each other because, you know, Mills is always such a great coach and now he has um, more talent and more recruits that he can pull from to, you know, showcase his coaching ability. Yeah. We've had a, a couple WIAC, I'll say WIAC, but we act people on, you know, take us to move like the difference between some of you said the class are the same, but isn't there like a, some focus on maybe different type of education than others? Yeah. So, uh, like I know personally with whitewater, it's more like a business college and education college. And, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an education major, so that's where I want to go, um, for school. And, um, so it was more looking for what they had in my major and also more what they had for running. So it just like worked out for me the best at whitewater. So if you were a COVID high school senior, you have eligibility left for that, but do you have, I mean, how much eligibility do you have left? Let's just go with that route. Yeah. I have two full years left, uh, of cross indoor and outdoor after this season. So. Okay. Are you a junior academically then? Yes. 
Okay. So you'll have to, okay. So you get an extra year then. Do you yeah. plan to stay at Whitewater or take it elsewhere? I mean, you yeah. still have plenty of time to figure that out. Yeah. Right now I still plan on staying at Whitewater. You know, I, everything like the, when I think about, you know, in the back of my head, like, well, what if I were to go somewhere? I think of like, I mean, obviously kind of cheesy, but like the people here, like I could not see myself leaving, you know, um, my friends and my teammates and the coaching. Cause it's like, you know, everything's working out for me and I don't really see a reason to change that right now. Of course that could change in a year, um, you know, with different opportunities and stuff like that. So if someone dropped a duffel bag worth of money on your, on your doorstep, you know, could that change anything? Are they yeah. doing that? Is that happening? You know, <laughs> in division three running? Uh-huh. I want to, I want some D three cross country coach to go to the AD and just like, you know, snag you and Ethan Greg for like your extra eligibility years and, and see what, you could do a power Stu, team. Stu, we should start like, be, like become boosters for like the DePaul cross country team <laughs> and just start like dropping money off for these guys. Just pack it. Yeah. yeah well, I'm you happy. Go to, you want to go to Greencastle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I get my, my free pair of trainers every year and, you know, that's always fun. Get three shirts every year for track. So yeah. You're getting, you're getting free shoes and shirts. Well, it's a, uh, it's an endowment, you know, fun mm. stuff. It's mm. alumni. We got one shirt, I think. Yeah. And a uniform, at least. But we couldn't keep oh, it. Yeah, you had to return the uniform. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll think about our booster program. Corey, if you're listening, we'll we'll help you out here soon. We just gotta we'll find that money. Yeah, write that down. Well, you know, that's funny you brought up the mill story because that's exactly what he was telling me, because we were speaking of the last that last, you know, thousand meters you had there. Let's jump back to that race because I don't think we touched on it enough from your experience. You know, you make that move with 1K to go and you're not challenged. Were you expecting someone to kind of get back on your shoulder? What were you thinking that last K? I was thinking that with the last K, it was going to be um, more of a challenge because, you know, with a, with a hard move like that, and I still I still have everyone on my back, I'm thinking like, yeah, now they're going to come you know, I, I don't know if maybe they expected I would just like blow up for making such a hard move, but you know, I, I knew enough with the, the speed that I have that I can maintain that. Um, and I kind of knew when I was looking up at the board and uh, with the times and I saw like, you know, I dropped a 30 and they were running like 32s or 33s. I'm just like, yeah, I, I got this from like 600 out. So I'm like, as long as I, you know, maintain and everything, like I'll be fine. Cause I always generally, uh, you know, always have a good finishing kick and um so it's always nice to know that, you know, even from a K out, I can hold that pace, which I was a little bit surprised about when I saw the final result and it was like, I don't even remember the last mile, what it was, but I just knew it was like a two, what was it? 235 last K or something like that. And like 204 last 800. So that definitely gives me a lot of confidence in my finishing ability now. What was your teammates reaction? Like both your teammates who were there and maybe teammates who were watching at home. Like what, what kind of texts were you getting after that race? Yeah, I mean, I was just getting a lot of texts from family and friends and, you know, um, people from my high school and my hometown and stuff like that. Like um, the last time I visited home, you know, when I came back there, we have this big board in my town and they had like, because um, I still remember when they put my name up there for like winning state in high school. And now they have my name up there for like winning nationals. So it's a, it's a very good feeling to to make everyone, you know, proud of like a smaller town. So. And even just with my teammates, because I know that they have the belief in me that I can accomplish what I do. So just like looking up afterwards and like seeing their reactions, 
of like when I was coming across that finish line, it was a very special moment. Just like knowing that, you know, like I didn't necessarily, obviously I want to win, but I'm doing it more for, you know, them and I'm doing it for the program and like everyone in Whitewater. So that's like a very important piece um, that I feel that I have in that is that I'm able to make like others proud through that. You're a local legend in your town. You're getting like free dinners now and stuff. That seems like you walk around and you can get whatever you want now. Do you have the uh, mayor's? Do you have the mayor's phone number? Unfortunately, no. It's a village, so oh, okay. we're, we're talking like twenty five hundred people. So I get a, I get a nice wave, you know, on the one street in town. So that's always good. Yeah, from the you know team perspective, you know, can you, is there a sense of like they look at you differently now? Do you feel like you know now that you've won, it's more of like yeah, that's we got kind of all knew that was going to happen. Like, what do you think has changed since you won a title? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say the most is like, you know, teammates will make jokes about it and stuff. And, um, you know, just saying like, oh, like, oh, champ and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, all right, let's settle down a little bit. Like, I just get really uncomfortable with it for some reason. Cause I'm like, you know, to me, obviously, yeah, I won, but like, that doesn't change, you know, who I am and how I should act around people. Like it happened and obviously I'm thankful for it, but it's just like one of those things, like, you know, it's one of those things where. I just kind of like move on from it and keep going and like not hold on to that and let it define who I am forever. So do you think leadership on the team has come naturally to you or is it, have you been kind of forced into it through your performances? Uh, I'd say a little bit of both because, you know, when you're on that national stage, um, you know, and you're wearing the Warhawk like that and um, it's obviously, you know, everyone's looking like, what is he going to do next and stuff like that. And Sometimes we'll be on, you know, runs with um, the freshmen because we have a huge freshman class now, and um, which is a great problem to have sometimes. <laughs> but um, so it's it's always nice having that that leadership role um, and just like able to, you know, answer their questions or like help them because I want to see them be the best runners and like the best people that they can be. And just like watching them grow over the past, you know, two semesters, has been really important to me and I'm very thankful for that also. But even just like the rest of the teammates, you know, um, they're just like, when they have a great performance, they'll just be like, yeah, we're just trying to do what you do. And I'm like, I feel like that's a really important thing is, you know, when I see someone else on the team perform very well, like that inspires me to like, man, they really just did that for all of us. Like now I want to go out there and like do that for them. So it's very, that's a very important piece to me as well. You mentioned earlier about, you know, confidence and kind of growing as a runner. Are you able to kind of look back and see how far you've grown as a runner, especially since high school wasn't, you know, that long ago when you were running mm -hmm. 430 miles, now you're running faster than that, you know, for a 5k, you know, are you able to kind of look back and kind of reflect on what you've done? Yeah. I mean, I still remember, um, you know, doing my first 5k in middle school with my dad like a company picnic. And then I remember starting to do track in seventh grade and wanting to do hurdles in the four by two. And I was not very good. And um, then, you know, trying out for cross country and doing the mile and then taking it a lot more seriously in high school with the the team and the coach that I had then. And um, I even remember going into COVID. Um, I was taking running like very seriously because, you know, there's really nothing else to do. And I just remember doing these like time trials um, on my high school track where I'm like, all right, today I'm running a mile at, and I'm just going to like see what happens. And so I would just go out, do that, like spikes, everything. 
And so it, it, was, it made it more like pure to me to do that. So that was definitely fun doing those and just seeing how like I progressed through that and that ability to, you know, keep pushing myself and not getting complacent. So that's definitely had a huge impact on me, like being thankful for where I've come from, but also like looking ahead towards the future. Yeah. Speaking of the future, you've had a lot of success so far, but you still have a lot of time left in your collegiate career to full years after, after this season, what are, you know, do you want to call some shots? Like what are some big goals that you have in running and, and maybe otherwise too, if you have something outside of running, you want to talk about. Yeah. I mean, with, with running, especially just, I want to see how far, um, especially after this track season uh, with indoor and everything and, you know, two, five K sub 1350 and like the consistency of that, just thinking like, it really made me think more like how far I can go in the sport of track and field and with cross country and distance running post collegiately, like that's really opened my eyes. And that's like something that I really want to see what I can do. And then, you know, when I'm done with running, then just settle down and be like a teacher or something like that. So I definitely just like want to see how far I can get in the sport and uh, see how far I can push myself. So that's one thing I'm really excited about moving forward. Yeah. When you look, you know, ahead, I don't want to get too far ahead, but like, do you see yourself standing on the track for a while? Like you're going to go to the roads, you know, where do you see yourself once you're out of college? Yeah. I mean, I've always been a really big track guy, so I'm definitely going to stick with that and see, you know, where I end up in two years time-wise with, you know, 5k steeple, something like that. And um, then maybe as I get older, like move to the roads. Cause uh, I have always wanted to do a 10 K, but I'm not looking at doing that in college right now. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but definitely like looking ahead to see what I can do in two years and post collegiately with like the five K and steeplechase. Yeah. You eyeing Olympic trials next year in that steeple. Um, I mean, we'll see. Still got to go. How look at that, how this season goes. I mean, right now, definitely talk to Mills about, you know, I want to be able to do like, you know, low eight forties or try to break eight forty this year. I mean, that's a lofty goal. Um, and I haven't done a full steeplechase workout this season yet, but just being able to know that I can do that pace uh, for steeple and just seeing, you know, where I can end up in two years with that. So, I mean, that'd definitely be a goal to try to accomplish to see if I could make it to a trials or something like that. Of course, that's more of a long goal away, but, you know, just to see, um, what can happen with that? Or, you know, even people like like Matt Wilkinson, what he's doing now, um, D3 and, you know, running at U.S. championships. Like, that's a very cool thing. And that's something that I want to try to accomplish someday. Yeah, it was cool until he rolled me up the 10-mile championships last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was cool until he did that, Matt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you have to be excited about your – career because it you have a lot of upside like you're running really well right now but you're also you know we mentioned 60 miles a week not that you have to go a whole lot higher but you do seem to have a lot of runway left in terms of you know amount of work you can take on do you do you think about that and how do you stay patient knowing that there is a lot of room for improvement yeah I mean I'm, I'm very thankful that I've been you know very injury prone or anything and that I I, I still have been doing same amount of mileage um uh I would say a little bit over the past couple of years and um probably hit my first 60 mile week like freshman year of college and I've been uh, more 60 like 65 something like that so it definitely gives me more confidence um going in and seeing like even the summer of training see what I can do mileage wise like safely of course 
and um, with the intent of not just pouring on mileage just to see what happens, but doing it in a safe way, but, you know, also taking some risk with it um, through the summer. So that's one thing I'm very excited about too, is just seeing um, where I can improve training wise and mileage wise, because I've been handling, you know, every workout that's thrown my way and I'm excited for more challenges that go along with that. I was asking folks this, I think I even asked you this, like, you know, the, the rise in D3 running, just D3 in general, the march we've seen across the board in, in sprints and throws and jumps and distance running, but especially, you know, on the, on the guy side of the distance training right now, since that's where you're, you know, focusing, it's pretty wild to like, see where you all are taking it. And, you know, you're a main driver of that. You're pushing it forward. You're pushing D3 forward. Have you kind of taken a step back and kind of realized what, you know, this crew is doing right now and how impactful it is for the future. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely just crazy seeing what every, not even just distance, but every event group in D3 is doing right now. And even in cross country, I think it's a very impressive thing to help not only like push the sport and grow the sport, but to get, you know, more people involved and, um, you know, showing others that, you know, D3 can be more competitive and just even looking to see how exciting it can be over the next couple of years or like when I'm gone and um, thankful for the opportunity that I can be a part of that. And, you know, when others are looking back and seeing like, Oh, look at the times, you know, these guys ran or like, I remember being a freshman in college and looking at like, you know, what Ian Lemire and stuff would, would run like that. Like that's always cool. That kind of comes full circle now that I can be a part of that um, and just inspire, help inspire others to kind of push themselves and be like, you know, they're running this times in high school. Like, why can't I do that? in college. So that's one thing that's really cool and like fulfilling about it as well. Just seeing like what other people can do in other event groups to help push the sport is really cool. Stu, do you have anything else? Yeah. One last question that I forgot to ask about, you know, you, you look at getting out kicked by Colette and then you go second place at Alex Phillip, Were you kind of just like banging your head? Like, when is it going to be my turn? Like I've given myself two great opportunities. I'm coming up a little bit short, you know, were you thinking that at all? We're just more like, all right, keep trusting the process. It'll come eventually. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely with cross country, it was more of, you know, I was happy to get second then because I was confident in my ability to place well uh, at that meet, but I wasn't sure, you know, if I was going to win or not, because, you know, cross country, and especially with how the course was that day, everything was up in the air. People were all over the place. Um, so that was definitely a very interesting factor about that. But I knew as long as I, uh, you know, keep myself accountable and um, have a good mindset going into it with training and being confident and trusting all that, that I knew that it would happen. And I knew that I had, you know, the ability and the support group behind me and that I had faith um, in what I could accomplish. No, it's fun to see the, you know, the last time we saw you was getting second and second, and now you get, you, now you finally get your own and looking forward to seeing what you can do here the rest of the way. Congrats again on all the recent success and we'll catch you at outdoors and, and thanks for your time today. Yeah. Thank you very much. Excited to see you then. And that's another episode of D3 Glory Days. Thanks from Stu and I for tuning in once again. We're glad to have you here and we'll see you again real soon, probably next week. Until then, here's to the glory days.